0: Welcome to Random Rewards, the one and only, the beautiful, the most exciting, and most fun gamification show.
1: Welcome to Random Rewards, the podcast where we discuss how to make business more fun with gamification. I'm Chris Tommaso, and with me is...
0: Sabrina! Hi, everyone. So how does this work?
1: Uh, how it works, I'm glad you asked, is we open by discussing a game, then we deconstruct how the game motivates users, and then, brainstorming on the fly, we solve a random business problem for a random business. Today, wow, that
0: sounds quite exciting.
1: It is very exciting. Today, we're going to talk about Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes.
0: That sounds like a brilliant game, and if you like us to discuss your favorite game, please send us an email at rewards at com.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I look forward to when people send us emails, because it makes us uh, have to stretch the games that we do play. We do play a lot of different games, but uh, it's always nice to have recommendations. Absolutely. Yeah, so we, we just played this game this week uh, for our game jam for Octalysis Group, which is a, a time where we all get together and play different games for research purposes.
0: Online.
1: Online, yes. Yeah,
0: it's quite an important point because obviously we live all across the world. So a little bit of game time together is always really appreciated. And we started doing a lot of Board games and more games that you can us- you usually play offline, but we play them online.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't. I'm not entirely sure you could play this game offline, but uh, I'll, I'll give. So, a, I'll give a little bit of background. So this game came out in 2015. It's a multiplayer game, but it's an asymmetrical multiplayer game, and what that means is. You have one person doing one thing and then the rest of the group of people are trying to help them. And so the one person, the reason why it's called Keep Talking and No One Explodes is the main person's trying to disarm a bomb. So they, on their screen, have a bomb in front of them and they can do different things with it. There's different so-called modules in the bomb. Um, Like some modules require them to cut wires or to match symbols different kinds of mini puzzles. But if they if they interact with the bomb incorrectly, then the bomb will explode, which is bad. So they have to disarm the bomb in this time limit. But there's a catch. So the rest of the people have access to the bomb manual, but they can't see the bomb. And The bomb manual is just a PDF that you download off the website. And it's this very long, dense document full of lots of weird instructions about how to dismantle different modules in the bomb. And so the game requires uh, the people with the bomb manual to be able to decipher what needs to happen and then communicate to the bomb diffuser what information they need to help them diffuse the bombs. It's kind of like a teamwork game in a sense, but it's under a time limit. And, uh, and also you have that situation. Like you remember when we're all trying to tell our colleague something at the same time, we're like trying to talk over each other. So there's like a weird strategy where you have to kind of, you know, divide and conquer the problems of the different modules of the bomb. And then you have to not Mm -hmm. yell over each other. So,
0: it's yeah, That's much, mainly also when you, when you do that online, right? Especially yeah. because you don't always see each other. Like some people might have their camera off too. And you're under time pressure. So everyone wants to say something. Everyone wants to fix something. So it can get quite chaotic. But the great thing about that is as, as more and more you play it, as more strategic you get. So as more and more quarter F three empowerment of creativity and feedback, you're actually using to disarm that bomb.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the core drives. I want to I wanted to get into those more. I just wanted to ask how how was your experience playing the game?
0: I found it first. I found it really stressful. I'm like. I don't know what to do. What are we supposed to find out? How does this work? And you just go through these pages and there's so many of these pages. And I was like, I'm overwhelmed, whatever. But then what I did is basically um, trying to find certain things that I actually understand and or trying to understand them. And then, and then I helped that way because it's much easier if somebody already knows, okay, this is the part of the bomb that needs to be disarmed this way, then you can do X, Y, Z. Or if there's like a totally new problem, I would just listen to what other people say in the conversation. Sometimes they don't know actually how to disarm it. So I'm just listening. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So Chris is saying that you might need to release and hold a button and yeah. then I'm going through these steps. i like, actually, I don't think this is right. And then yeah. I would go like, oh, okay, because there's another thing that you need to do. And then I would be like, okay, um, guys, let's let's think about this another another second because I think we need to do it X, Y, Z. So yeah. I'm more of a listener in that in that behalf. I think I I kind of learned that in my MBA because mm-hmm. in the if you do an MBA, yeah. there is like ten people in like management positions that just yell at each other. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna sit back, just gonna listen, and then make a decision.
1: <laughs> was, was, Patience. was listening engaging for you in, in this game?
0: Very, yeah, very actually. Because it's really interesting for me to understand how people come up with solutions yeah. and how they do the problem solving. And for me, this is part, the part of the problem solving is actually listening to other people because they might do something wrong and then I can listen to it and basically redo um, what they have been doing in a different way. So for me, this is just—it's just way too much text. So I'm yeah. really good at the ones that have like symbols and stuff because I'm quite a visual person. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like that was like so obvious for me. I was like, oh yeah, that's easy. That's easy. Yeah. But then there's other ones where this, or or also even the the labyrinth or the, the yeah. eyes was kind of like more easy than for example when you have a thing that is um that says that what you need to do about buttons and there's mm-hmm. text on it. So right. it says see panics a for indicator and indif- identification reference. I'm like, yeah. where do I even need to go? I'm confused. I'm like, Oh, so there's just text. Right. Mm. So that's kind of overwhelming to me.
1: It's funny. It's funny that you say that because I actually had the opposite. Um, I didn't quite have an aversion to the pictures of the symbol p- puzzles, but I really liked the text-based puzzles where it says, if this, then that, if not that, Mm. and this, then that. It was like this series of causal chains, like the wire. I
0: really don't like these, yeah.
1: Like the wire puzzle was, if there is one white wire, then cut the second wire in the sequence.
0: That took me about four games. Yeah. (laughs) It took me four games to actually understand where you are going.
1: Yeah. I immediately like loved the wire puzzle and so so what i did instead of listen which was interesting so that sounded like your comfort zone for me i just grabbed a task that i really liked and i essentially owned it i became the wire guy who was always mm-hmm. dealing with the wire puzzle and i got better and better at it and i felt that sense of like mastery over that one exactly puzzle. i
0: yeah. felt that with the keypads with the symbols mm-hmm. i felt like that too i'm like and then the funk thing was like oh Simone was like, "Oh, so Sabrina, you can do the symbols." I'm like, yeah, I' am <laughs> the master of the symbols. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, that that feeling of mastery, even if it's it actually feels quite simple after you've mastered it. yeah, so there there actually, I think it there could be some sort of leveling up of the same task, so like, for example, the symbols. Mm-hmm. If Once you've mastered them, they get really easy, right? It's yeah. kind of It gets a bit boring after a while. Yeah. So leveling those up maybe with more complicated symbols or new symbols or something that is different would be quite exciting.
1: It seemed like there was a bit of a progression curve. We didn't get really far into the puzzles, so it seemed like the puzzles get more dastardly.
0: Like they do, yeah.
1: They increase the difficulty of the puzzles themselves and also the amount of puzzles one must solve. Mm totally yeah
0: but certain parts of the puzzle don't get harder like for example the the keypad but probably in the higher up versions mm-hmm. you don't even need to do these anymore then you just have the really hard puzzles that just take you forever to even just find a way around it and right. the hard thing is also if you get new puzzles that you've never done right Mm -hmm. That was the main issue why we failed a few times is because it took us literally half the time to just figure out what the puzzle was.
1: Right. It's like a 20 or 30 page, like document, you have to scan through in a five minute period. Like you usually have five minutes to solve before the bomb explodes. And so that's a lot of scanning and it's not like a hyperlinked document and it doesn't have a table of contents. Like I remember, one of our, our colleagues, she said, "It would be great if there was an index." And I and I thought, like, <laughs> I think that's kind of the point. Is there's not an yeah. index, like you have to dig through I remember
0: it. Remember that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think it'd be too easy if there was an index. So, mm-hmm. so what kind of uh, what are the main core drives you think? Well, let me let me back up. That, that, yeah. <laughs> when we when we do gamification, we don't we don't just take a game game elements and just slap them on any experience in any order. Uh, what we do is we want to analyze, you know, what kind of motivations are being triggered by the game in question. So today we're going to kind of deconstruct this game, uh, keep talking and nobody explodes. So we do that using the Octalysis framework and we talk about, uh, the eight different core drives, but we're going to highlight some, some main ones. So yeah, back to you, Sabrina.
0: So this game is high, high, high in black hat gamification, which we call gamification that makes you feel very urgent. And the main reason for that is quarter of eight, um, which is loss and avoidance. So you have that timer that you have like five minutes and it will explode the, right. you will literally explode like the, one person will literally explode if you fail right so you really don't want that to be happening right. so that's the main reason and then there's obviously the scarcity of time uh, which is also quarter of six um, scarcity and impatience so yeah. you don't have 10 minutes to do it if you have 10 minutes to just take it easy and yeah, it's not not a big issue, right? We have enough time to to um, disarm the bomb, it's not a big big problem. But if you have this timer, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, it makes you stressed out. Yeah. It makes you really stressed out. So that that's the main things I would say. And then quarter F three as well empowerment of creativity and feedback because it's like we said earlier on it's a very strategic game yeah and then actually yeah what you said earlier as well about quarter of two development and accomplishment you get to be like the master of a task and you also have that feeling of accomplishment once you find out how to disarm a certain part of the
1: Right, because it's broken into parts. Right, you're not just solving one giant puzzle for five minutes. Yes. Each of them are are modules, so they're like little little puzzles that you're trying to solve. And and realistically, each puzzle takes like thirty seconds to solve if you know how to solve it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're getting that hit of accomplishment every thirty seconds or so.
0: Totally, I think that's like actually. Action- Sorry.
1: No, uh, I think a big one is co- uh, Core Drive Five because you're dealing with people. Core mm-hmm. Drive Five, social influence and relatedness.
0: Totally, uh, yeah.
1: You're, you're dealing, you know, it's a team. It's a multiplayer team game. You're all working. You're you're collaborating towards a certain objective, and the game really, really, uh, you know, makes it prioritizes the importance of communication. If you don't communicate well, mm-hmm. you will fail because totally. it's, it's not just that it's it's both parties so the diffuser and the people who are helping them both of them have different information and they need to have multiple exchanges of information mm-hmm. to solve the puzzle right it's not mm-hmm. just it's not just that the bomb manual people have all of the information and all they have to do is tell them like like there's the um, you were talking about the labyrinth puzzle there's like nine labyrinths that it could be and you have to ask the bomb diffuser what does the labyrinth look like so you can decide which labyrinth you're, you you know you're looking at and therefore how to solve it. So yeah, communication is uh, is essential.
0: Absolutely. I think that's the main thing of playing it online as well. It's like it makes it harder to communicate. So it actually makes the game a little bit harder. I think mm-hmm. this game would work really well offline too, because you mm-hmm. can basically just have two manuals: one manual that has the bombs inside it, and one manual that has the disarmament of the bombs. Right. And then play it. But I think it's actually more interesting online because the the team communication makes yeah. it more more diverse. Actually, more more harder to to do. Right.
1: Yeah. You, usually when you see this uh you know I've, I've done in previous previous uh jobs i've had i've done team building and uh, like team and leadership development and uh, most of those exercises we did you could only do in person you couldn't do them remotely mm-hmm. And if you did them remotely, it, they wouldn't be as effective. Whereas this game, mm. I think, benefits from being remote. Mm. Like you could, I mean, you could do it in person, but you'd still have to separate yourselves into different rooms. So yeah. it's, it's sort of like being remote anyway.
0: And I think it would work actually quite well as a escape room itself, mm-hmm. right, by disarming a bomb. But then you almost need a, like a, a, a second party of player Mm -hmm. that have the bomb like somebody's like maybe you even have your colleague (laughs) that's stuck in a room and he needs to disarm the bomb yeah I remember actually we had a similar puzzle when we went for an escape room in Taiwan with the octalysis group we had similar puzzles but there wasn't a second party, right? We basically just played against the computer, right? And with this game, I think what's really strong is that there's two parties and you have that sort of feeling of relatedness to that person too, because... mm, if you have a robot, maybe they do the story well and you feel a lot of relatedness. Like if they actually tell you the story of the person and, oh, they have a child and, you know, like, oh my God, it's like so sad. They're like lost. They're in this universe and you need to get them out. Um, Then that might be more, there might be more quarter five and more feeling of relatedness. But if you actually have a colleague that you need to help, It gets this collaborative approach, and that's even more motivating, actually.
1: Right, exactly. So that you were talking about the black hat earlier, the loss and avoid core drive eight loss and avoidance is actually magnified by the core drive five. The fact that it's not just someone's going to explode; it's your colleague. Mm -hmm. You're going to let them down if they blow up. So it really, really makes that that feeling very strong, even even though it's simulated. <clears> They're <throat> not actually exploding, right? <laughs> that would be not an okay game, right? We're not condoning not games okay. like that. So, so the so we've talked about the game and we and we've kind of deconstructed sort of what's a major motivation. But gamification isn't just about deconstructing and talking about games, although we could do that all day. It's also about making solving legitimate business issues, increasing ROIs for business, increasing user engagement and whatnot. So that's what we do at the Octalysis Group. That's what we do with our clients. And today we're going to solve a random business problem using the same motivational profile. So I'm going to pump out the random number. I'm going to get out the old random number. That's always the most
0: exciting, the most exciting (laughs) part of the whole podcast is which parts are we going to get? Yeah. So we're first gonna get a random business and then we're gonna get a random business metric. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that is correct. So, um, <clears throat> okay, the random business is Disney or a, a company like that. And so we, um, we don't have to choose Disney, the large corporation, we could also choose Disneyland or um, you know, Disney Plus or something like that. We can choose wh- whatever business. What do you think we should choose?
0: Yeah, I think we can basically make it a little bit smaller. So using maybe a, a, a subcategory. So Disney World, I think is pretty good for that. Because yeah, Disney- the problem is if we if we use too large segment of the company, they might have different rules. There is different motivation of people. And when we're looking at... Uh, the businesses we always look at the player types. So yeah. the player types might differ quite a lot. If it's the IT segment of Disney, or if it's the animation team, or if it's the people in Disney World, like it's very very diverse. So because it's such a huge company, we need to be very clear of which which part of the company are we talking about.
1: Exactly, and I should also make the disclaimer that this is not. Official consultation for Disney. This is a Disney like company. So, um, if we do Disney world, it's an amusement park like Disney. So we'll focus on that.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Second random. So now we're going to pick the business metrics and drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, okay. Um, we're going to increase, uh, like employee morale or positive employee interactions. So, we're doing workplace gamification for an amusement a large amusement park that's awesome. fun yeah that's really cool so like i said this is workplace gamification you can add gamification to any any different aspect of your business we do a lot of product gamification marketing um, you can also do lifestyle but here we're going to do employee gamification and so Uh, You can have many different business metrics. So this is the one, this is the top business metric. Uh, We always, we always, always establish business metrics first, because that's what the, that's the ROI that we're trying to increase. If we don't have a target, then the gamification isn't laser focused on solving a specific problem. So this is as though someone from an amusement park, an amusement park CEO came to us and said, we really want to improve uh, our employee uh, morale, productivity, uh, Are their bonding, like how well they work together. And we really love the game, keep talking and no one explodes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Has that happened to you before? <laughs> that, would be,
1: that would be a really funny thing for someone to say. Awesome.
0: So, but actually yeah. in real life, we actually get a lot of, CEOs or um, CTOs, maybe that come to us and say like, Hey, we know your framework, we know how it works. And we really love to work with you. And hey, remember this game, I played this game for so long. And we we really think that this game could uh, you could use that as an inspiration for how motivating something can be. And so we need to find out what is it, what they actually like about that game, which core drives are active. So we did that in the last section. Yeah. We looked at the core drives of that game. And now what we're going to do is we don't just use those elements in the game, those techniques that are used and slap them on like an employee engagement uh, <laughs> Experience <laughs> yeah, that yeah. would not work very well, right? And suddenly, you have a countdown timer every time you need to talk to a colleague.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or they might, ex- or someone might explode. Like <laughs> someone
0: might, ex- someone actually might explode. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you
1: guys are going to get along, <laughs> <them> or <laughs> else someone someone's going to explode unless you get along better.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, your CEO will explode and um <laughs> throw some more paper at your desk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're right. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. And that's what a lot of people do when they think of gamification, they think they can just add whatever game techniques that they've seen before onto any experience and it will be uh, engaging or interesting or work will even function at all. Uh, we know that's not the case.
0: Okay. So I think one of the main things we can talk about is quarter five.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Then quarter F three. Yeah. And maybe some parts of quarter of eight, like how we how could we make something that is really intrinsically motivating? Yeah, and maybe uh, balance it a little bit with some urgency, because the problem with like very very intrinsically motivating things is that sometimes you don't really have any urgency. So you really like doing it, but you're like, oh, maybe I should. Good to tomorrow, or like, oh, I really loved working on this, but after a while you just don't really have the push. Right. That makes you go back every single day. Right. So
1: But on the other hand, I'll play devil's advocate: if you add too much black hat design, you focus too much on techniques that motivate people via loss and avoidance, scarcity mm-hmm. and patience, then it will stress them out and they'll get the opposite of the opposite effect <laughs> exactly. as you would want. Like if you if you were to say you know, uh, come up with a, uh, a plan for the end of year employee party. Otherwise someone will get fired.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Someone might explode and get fired. (laughs) Someone might get
1: fired. Then that's too strong. It's too strong of black hat. So black hat, you have to apply very, very methodically and sparingly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're going to try to keep the spirit of keep talking and no one explodes. So exactly. Yeah, so we're going. We're jumping into the second step of the five step octalysis process, which is brainstorming. And through brainstorming, we'll come up with a a a brief sort of scat, you know, a a skeleton of an idea of sort of how could this experience look. And obviously, this is super brief version. This takes this is weeks of work uh, usually, but this is a glimpse. (laughs) Months sometimes. So. Uh, you said core drive three and core drive five.
0: Mm-hmm. I think those are our main core drives we should focus on. There, yeah. There's obviously a little bit of core drive two as well. So yeah. just the feeling of accomplishment, yeah. feeling of progressing through the experience. So we should keep that in mind too. Mm.
1: Yeah, we we should uh, talk about desired actions. So it's important to talk about what are the desired actions that you want your users to take so that you can be motivating them to take those actions specifically instead of just, again, applying game techniques at random. So Mm. what do we think the desired actions are uh, to improve employee wellness, happiness, uh, team bonding at an amusement park?
0: I think one of the main desired actions would be helping your colleague if they have a problem or even just talking to your colleagues to check on them in a, in a continuous basis. So maybe every day they come back to mm-hmm. a friend, to a colleague, be friendly to them and say like, hi, how was, how was your day? have yeah. you been doing? Yeah. Just to check in. I think those are like really small little things that are easy to do, like simple desired actions, but yeah. that have a huge effect.
1: Yeah. So I agree with that. That's, we want like just pro-social actions. We want checking in, helping out when they're um, having trouble, um, perhaps, mm. you know, um, complimenting them like in front of mm. other colleagues, like, uh, mm. like recognition in front mm-hmm. of other colleagues when they do something, something good, um, yeah. and, and have other people feel good about it, uh, helping them like without them even needing to ask or, or learning to ask for help and have that be a rewarding thing, not something where you feel where the user feels like kind of like they're not good enough at the job and they need help, like asking, asking them for help. Yeah. So one way to do that and, and the sort of spirit of keep talking and no one is, explodes is, is that it's a game where people, nobody can solve the problem themselves, right? The bomb diffuser can't solve it themselves. The people with the bomb manual can't solve it themselves. So, one way to do it is to is to is to give the group a task of some kind that they can't possibly solve themselves that they need to work with each other to solve
0: and maybe one of the main issues is also that people from different divisions or with different skills don't work together so maybe it could even be that one person as like who is working as a uh, maybe manager for a, uh, yeah, for the food team, maybe yeah. let's say for the food team, Yeah, doesn't communicate things with the team that is actually doing the, preparing the food, so the kitchen. Right. So what happens then, like if they don't work together? So I think we, we can be very specific here and say like, those sort of different divisions, maybe different attires, like different um, levels of of responsibility don't work together. Like, so management together with the the field workers, basically, for example.
1: Right. So, so what if, for example, um, there was like 20% time at Google where everybody can work on whatever they want, but instead of everybody can work on whatever they want, 20% time or some amount of time, maybe once a month, different people are randomly assigned to a team to solve a problem they're not used to working on. And mm. so this this generates empathy between different people and their different departments. It's interdepartmental. So there's mm. a random business problem that they're trying to solve together and they have to all come together to do it and they don't like I said they don't usually work with each other. And this would mm. this would also not even be on the same hierarchy. So you might have, you might actually choose, for example, at random four out of 10 people to be the managers, even though they're not actually managers and managers might specifically be below them. And so now the people who are not used to being managers give the managers orders, right? Mm. Something like that. So people can, can more accurately understand what each other's jobs are like. So it generates more empathy.
0: Totally, I think that's a really great idea, and I think, especially in a in a bigger company where the hierarchy is more sort of top down, yeah. it's sometimes really hard to for for the people who are on the on the lower tiers yeah. to get recognition for what they were doing, yeah. and that that obviously leads to a lot of um, disengagement, yeah, dis- demotivation. And also for the the people in the management situations, if you're a good manager, you actually want to know how it is to be on the lord here, like to work in a in a project as like a a worker, for example, or maybe you do the tickets, or maybe you sell ice cream, whatever. Like if, if a manager doesn't really experience that like on hand by hand Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard for them to create that empathy and that understanding of the tasks that they need to go through and also the 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 struggles that they're having so I really like that example that that you might need to work together on a on a task where different fields of interest different fields of skills come together and need to solve a problem
1: Right, exactly. And, it, and these problems could be real problems that the amusement park mm-hmm. is facing. Like maybe <clears throat> they're facing an issue of they need to decide what new uh, rides to bring in. So mm-hmm. that's usually something that higher up people decide, but now they give it to just a randomly selected group of people. And to make it more like keep talking when nobody explodes, add some black hat, there could be a countdown and there could be different teams competing against each other. And so there's a little bit of that core drive eight, loss and avoidance, you're trying to win. You don't want to, you wanna give give the best idea, the most innovative idea, which is also core drive three, uh, uh, cre- empowerment of creativity and feedback. So when you, when you pit people against each other, but it's a friendly competition and they are collaborating within their teams, they're trying to come up with ideas and they have only a certain amount of time to do it.
0: That that also leads to a lot of quarter F2 development and accomplishment yeah. because we will have the feeling of accomplishment if you're actually getting selected as the team that has done the best solution for this issue. And it will actually be implemented in mm-hmm. the business I mean, isn't that cool? Like Disney actually, Disney World or Disneyland actually implemented your business idea for a new ride, right? That's like the coolest thing ever. They actually like create that ride because Mm -hmm. you have done all that work on it. And that might even lead to, you know, further possibilities um, of of getting a new job, a, a better job at Disney because you have won that competition basically as your team.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could, it could open up a whole new, uh, you know, realm of possibilities and it, and it strengthens people's connections with each other mm-hmm. potentially. Are there any other other game techniques that we think would be good? Like, you know, talk about desired actions about people helping each other on a daily basis. What could, what could help that happen?
0: I think, I mean, we, we need to basically have something that they come back to it again and again, right? So that needs to maybe also have a little bit of um, black hat gamification mm-hmm. because why would you go back every single day, right? Do you need a reason for that? Although I think because of quarter of five, because you already have such a strong connections to your colleague,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, it's it's easier maintained. Sure. But it just needs to have one person in the team that's maybe disengaged that might not do it in a daily basis and then other people get disengaged too. So that's a little bit of the problem with quarter five. Right. Because it goes if you both have ways. Person, yeah, it can go both ways. If, yeah. if you have one person that doesn't do their task and then it sort of backfires to the other people, then you have a whole group of people who is disengaged because they can't work with each other. So maybe there's even other teams that check in with each other's teams mm-hmm. so you have like basically inter-team work <laughs> <laughs> so you have other people from from let's call it like team blue so team yeah. blue is working with team red yeah to, to exchange some ideas how would you motivate this maybe there is a special reward something mm-hmm. that you'll get if you actually come up with an idea in two teams
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that also obviously increases the the possibility of actually winning in, in, in the end winning that idea and winning getting their best idea out there
1: right so I
0: think that would work too the only thing with that is obviously it decreases a little bit of the feeling of ownership and possession quarter 4 mm-hmm. which that specific team has yeah but I think what we want here is really having people exchange ideas and get creative with each other so I would I would highly encourage that that possibility maybe you can get a booster yeah if you are two teams and you work together you kind of like make like a collab Mm -hmm. it's like a collab mode and maybe you can team up with two or three different groups of people where if you're stuck, maybe for example, if you're stuck, or maybe you have other people in your group that aren't quite motivated, so you want to work with other people too, yeah. you can basically use that as a booster, like a joker card, and and <laughs> use it to boost your ideas.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Like like uh, promoting not just inter team or not just intra team actions, but also inter team actions, like allowing people to work together to solve a bigger problem. Mm. Cause maybe maybe in a similar way to keep talking and nobody explodes is maybe these problems could all be related to a central problem. So the problem yeah. is is, you know, which ride are we going to choose next? But then there's smaller problems that are, you know, what's what material is going to be used for the yeah. ride? What's what's the, know, what's the theme? What's the
0: color of the ride? What's the color spectrum? What yeah.
1: Exactly. And so, so then, so then there's, you know, whoever comes up with the best idea of those, but then also they're all working together to create the best idea possible. So Mm -hmm. it's like competitive and collaborative at the same time. Yeah. I also think it would be interesting for the daily actions. If maybe there was some way that it could be tracked and we wouldn't want to make it too extrinsic, we know mm-hmm. that too much extrinsic, like too many rewards too often makes people, it hijacks your intrinsic desire to do yeah. anything. And we, and we really want people to want to help each other just because. Um, mm-hmm. But to get it started, perhaps the more you help other people, the more likely it is that you'll be selected for the higher tier of management during the competition.
0: I think so, yeah. Because be a good
1: because a good leader right it, they they um, recognize the work of their colleagues and they listen and and all that kind of stuff
0: absolutely absolutely
1: that that sounds cool I would love to work at a company like this too, Octalysis too. is a little bit like this <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite this that gamified. Really- uh, but, yeah, we have lots of... Uh, we're not we're quite very, as
0: big to be able to do that. We're not quite as big, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But we have a lot of, like, very flat hierarchy in, the, in mm-hmm. our decision-making. Like, everybody has an equal voice, right, to come up with ideas to solve, you know, company-wide issues when they come up, so...
0: It's a little bit like we have certain interest groups or, the, for example, team quality. We have mm-hmm. a, a group that looks after the quality of the company. We have a group that looks after the learning of the company. So team learning, for example. Yeah. And team expansion, which looks after the business development. So it's a little bit like those groups where everyone right. just works together on a specific right. problem. Specific
1: challenge, yeah, yeah. And we challenge. came up... And we came up with those groups just by through this organic process of trying to figure out what's the best way to tackle these problems. It mm-hmm. wasn't like we just came in and we had to have teams. We decided that <laughs> teams was the best way to do it. That were like highly mm-hmm. focused on these issues. Well, I think this is really, this is really great. And, uh, Disney or any other amusement park owners, if you're listening, come check us out. This is just the tip of the iceberg of our five-step process. And if you want to do uh, employee gamification or any other kind of gamification, you can check out our case studies at octalysisgroup.com. And we're all over the internet. Where can we be found on the internet, Sabrina?
0: So we can be found on Twitter. Actually, we have our own Twitter page now, which is at reward. And we are also on our own Twitter, which is, Chris, where can you find you?
1: I'm at Chris underscore Tommaso.
0: And I'm at useradventure. You can also send us an email at Rewards at octalysisgroup.com. Or where can we find you?
1: We can uh, find, well, me at Chris at octalysisgroup.com. And- We also have a Facebook group, Octalysis Explorers. If you want to come check out our community of 8,000 and growing.
0: That's super exciting. I'm going to look forward to come to that website. Yay.
1: Yeah. Until our our next rewarding time together.
0: Let's check out and game over. (laughs) Bye. Bye.